you know, the devil just gives in to what he puts in our heads. The scotch on the rocks, please, any scotch will do. As long as it's not a blend, of course, uh, single malt. Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps, maybe a Glengow, any Glen. I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? Just a drink. A martini. Shaken, not stirred. Needful things, which um, about all I knew about this one was it was set in Castle Rock, which is a uh, popular show now uh, for the King Universe on Hulu. Um I'll throw it to Josh first. Are you more of a, a Stephen King person than me? Because I think it's it's been quite a while. Like when I was a teenager, I read a lot of his bigger stuff, like Salem's Lot and the Stand. But I don't. I've not really kept up with the the King universe as such. I think you know, growing up, you were more into it than what I had been exposed to. But it sounds like maybe I have taken to it more through the years. Maybe you've parted from it. A little more. I'm not sure. Uh, I I don't know that I would consider myself more knowledgeable on it, but uh, I, I would say mainly because, like, I, I think I've said on the podcast before that when I was younger, I, I really steered steered clear away from a lot of horror movies because I just did not like gore and you know really dark things. But as I started getting older, I realized oh, there's good horror out there that doesn't depend on you know gore and stephen king's definitely the top that like there might be some grisly things that happen in some of his stories but it's not a gore fest you know he actually taps into something different and because of that as i've gotten older and started diving deeper into the the horror genre um i have definitely taken to him quite a bit because i do really like his style yeah i don't know if there's uh any gore in this there's like a knife hatchet fight and uh (laughs) yeah is there, tur- is there some turkey shit or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that yeah. might be the most disgusting thing uh, that's used <laughs> as a uh, prank here. I, look, I, I didn't know anything about this. Um, Jared, did you know anything about Needful Things? Like, um, Me and Josh did uh, a little bit. It is a Rick and Morty episode. Um, that's strange. Because that, this is not... Okay, Jared, I'm... Sorry to cut you off, but just part of your job on the show is Stat Boy. Uh, was mm-hmm. this film popular or something? Like I, I could not find budget numbers, but it did make $15 million uh, domestic. So 1993, I mean, it, you know, it was fairly okay. I, I, as memory serves, and I've... I've I have those, no... I don't remember it ever having I, I think I, I remember seeing some spots on, like, you know, VHS tapes when we rent a movie, like... Maybe mm-hmm. from the, like that early '90s time period, um, but it's not one that I ever heard. I mean, it cracks me up that Rick and Morty had an episode about it because I don't think this is a part of like the pop culture lexicon. I don't think people are like, yeah, it's like that's that not even needful things. Not even a big thing in a Stephen King lexicon, you know. As far as like when you talk about Stephen King's heavy hitters, like nobody ever says like, Oh fuck. Yeah, man. Needful things. You remember, you know, nobody ever says anything about needful things. That being said, let me, I'll, I'll fill in the listeners. Uh, on, I guess the basic premise of this is that a, uh, 
sort of mysterious like new shopkeeper comes to town. I mean, that's uh, played by Max von Sydow here, who um, you know is a like sort of world renowned actor. Um, yeah, he's awesome. And he, uh, I, I think you can quickly get the premise here. And I think from my yeah. vague memory of the, you know, the trailers on old VHS tapes, I think I was like, I think it's about the devil comes and starts making deals with people. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty much that it's an old man. That's his shop is basically <laughs> able to give you whatever you want, but you have to pay a price. Now here's my biggest issue with the movie is where it subverts that a little bit is where I started to get into the movie, but it doesn't take it. It doesn't take it far enough. Far enough. Because yeah. the idea that this version of like this, you know, sort of devil, you know, the, the black hat coming to town and messing with people and getting them to make these commitments that's going to ultimately ruin their lives. Uh, <laughs> He's he's not much different than uh, this. I guess this is uh, this is even a spoiler. But um, have either one of you uh, seen Fargo, the season one of Fargo with Billy Bob Thornton? Mm-mm, no, I haven't. Even. Check that out because <clears throat> he's no. I get what you're saying though. He's no more than a minor trickster. But we're talking about the devil. Well, and you know what? I <laughs> I don't know if I like that they add that supernatural element where you see his like long nails that aren't there in and some scenes and his, teeth, his yeah. teeth that, you know, they become, I guess, you know, more monstrous when he wants to appear as a monster. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I wish he was, <laughs> if they're going to go that route, I want to see him grow horns. I want him to <laughs> see him become Tim Curry from legend and then see actual devil and red face paint wanting making a deal with someone so they'll go spread turkey shit on someone's laundry and th- imagining that the devil well that would be what he truly cared about in that instance he would spend that much time setting up this prank like he's johnny knoxville from like from hell that's, that's why i didn't like the movie it was because like the devil is so bored that he has to micromanage a Castle Rock <laughs> village where he's like, yes, what I want you to do is I want you to knife and cleaver fight the two of you up and downstairs and out the house. Like, yeah. you lost me at that point. Like, uh, okay. you, like, you don't want to give kids in Africa AIDS anymore? Like, you want to fucking have two people knife fight up and down the stairs in, in that's, Maine? That's huh? where I think... Um... It pales, unfortunately, in comparison to a recent TV series where Billy Bob Thornton plays this hitman that comes to this small podunk town. Like, you know, if you've seen the film Fargo, same setting. And he has actual plot stuff to do in the show. Like an actual, like, he's he's there for a reason. Uh, but when he, in, in his downtime from, like, going to, like, you know, kill gangsters or criminals, he fucks with people because <laughs> he is... <laughs> okay, so... My premise for this is more akin to that, where it's like, imagine Joker from the Christopher Nolan series, who is anarchy incarnate. Like, someone like that would have a very hard time turning it off. The problem when you add the supernatural element is that, like Jared says, he can do anything. He can conjure up anything. So why is he... Like, I understand a sort of, uh, you know, um, ethically dubious hitman who's like, well, I don't want to get caught killing people because I'll go to jail because it's the real world, <laughs> but I'm, I'm still going to fuck with people. <laughs> like, There's a scene in the show where he sees a young man being sassed by like his employer, and he he like 
calls him over. And he's like, you know what I used to do when I was your age? Someone talked to me like that. I'd piss in their gas tank. And so <laughs> the kid's like, yeah, buddy, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Very next scene, Billy Bob is in his hotel room and he's got the, the sort of blinds down and he's on the phone saying like, I want to report that there's a young man doing something like very bad to get to the car. <laughs> so see, <laughs> I'm probably not giving needful things like, you know, a fair shake, but I either want to see the extreme version, like something like the witches of Eastwick with uh, Jack Nicholson, where you see him messing with a small town on a grand scale or I want to see the more simplistic version where it's getting someone to piss on a car and then calling that very person whose car is being pissed on just to watch them like tear each other limb from limb. Uh, this, this one that really plays it down the middle. Um, and I think the only thing I really like is something that I think Jared hated because he sent one of his infamous texts before recording where Ed Harris about loses his shit about like, <laughs> like Jesus. the goodness of Capper town. And it's like a veins popping out of his head. It's, he's got a gun drawn on a, on a priest and a preacher. And he gives us like Jimmy Stewart speech and, uh, spoiler alert. Then someone walks out with like C4 strapped to his chest. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> if there's a devil in this town, it's that damn Reverend Willie Rose. up a little bit <laughs> yeah it's also before he got uh shot in the arm by the same guy scrapped with what the, the, the like the ominous like sniper gun that comes out the window. <laughs> yeah yeah um so i guess i'll come to bat for some of this uh, uh one thing i will say is that stephen king is definitely known for taking on taking on uh religious elements in a lot of his stories and and having some commentary on that and I get what you all are saying because it's it's appearing on the screen very literal as far as the devil shows up to town and sows chaos, you know, and why, why is he doing that in terms of he's obviously the devil. And as you, as you mentioned, he could he could be doing a lot worse things on a grander scale. But I think maybe it's just trying to visualize, like put on screen or on paper what I guess kind of philosophically, you know, you, you could say the devil does amongst, you know, a society of people is in terms of um, making them envious of things. Just the human nature comes out and they're so quick to turn on one another. Uh, I think there's a comment, a, a commentary there that's trying to be brought out and it, it, it suffers from the fact that the the very literal representation of it doesn't quite translate. If, if that makes sense. Here's, here's my other thought was oftentimes I'm sort of hesitant to even watch Stephen King movies. If I've not read the the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
this might be the first so much. Well, this might be the first time where I'm like, eh, I don't think I need a longer version of that. <laughs> like, because I I read that this is like a a fairly long, like 700 page novel. Mm. And to me, I, I actually, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is probably like a short story of his because it seems like you could get you can get to the nitty gritty pretty quick. Yeah. I don't I don't know if you need a you know if you need a longer one. How many more pranks? you need before you get the idea that uh, this guy is meddling with the town and um you know it's, it's one of those things it actually like the plot of it suffers from one of the greatest sins i think in film where characters don't just talk to each other if they just had one conversation they'd be like oh wait a minute this guy right. this guy told me to do that to you oh wait he told me to do this to that person down the street yeah and, and sheriff pangborn played by ed harris um you see him doing quite a bit of that, but he doesn't have enough information to be able to connect all the dots, you know, but he, he what little bit he's getting, he's playing that game, but you're, you're very correct. that like, if, <laughs> if the other characters were just kind of speaking up a little bit, it would be very quick. Like, They're like oh. the, the worst survivor or big brother players you'll ever meet. Like they, <laughs> yeah. they, they take, you know, this is truly, I guess the gospel from this devil character. Uh, and some of them, you know, what they're asking for, um, I don't even get, I, I think, I think the one that probably works the most for me is the, you know, probably the, like the drunk asshole who wants his, he wants his high school, uh, jacket back and like, okay, it's just a jacket, but you can tell with him, it's like, oh man, he is like, he's like living back in the past where it's like, I want to be cool again. Some of the other ones, it's just like, <laughs> there's this weird thing with the, the female lead with the, uh, I guess the, the newly fiance of the Ed Harris character. Where she becomes like the the devil's like literal like playmate, where it's like he's <laughs> he's been waiting like to, to <laughs> he just like that's the one for me and gives her this piece I of jewelry that just pie. yeah just turns into like uh you know one of the Perfect. like one of the, uh, the 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 bots from Austin Powers just like you know just a step <laughs> wife uh, maybe that's something that's explored with a little more nuance in the book but well I thought there was gonna be like a you know how a lot of horror movies like you get the fake happy ending and then there's like a reveal like right before credits like oh something dark still linked there had never been any payoff as like okay why did he why did he um pursue that with her (laughs) why did the devil pursue like going and he just likes uh, well, I mean that—that that is what you're left with. Like that must be what it was. I like, I like Jared's. Jared's very simple. Like the devil just—he has a crush, Josh. He just, yeah, you know, yeah. He just likes the cut of her jib. He gives into <laughs> uh, mortal sins. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> But it definitely felt like something, lar- you know, was being played up larger. You know, that, are you thinking like know, a just, Gary Oldman, like he, Dracula? He's just like some strange baby. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking like they were going to be like, oh, uh, especially with everything he was saying to Ed Harris's character at the end. I was like, oh, she's going to be pregnant with the devil's baby or something. A jack, uh, you know, just <laughs> something crazy like that. But uh, Jared, do you or, have do you have something you'd like to say about this? <laughs> Oh, well, you know, the devil just gives in to what he puts in our heads. <laughs> I'm 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 gonna apologize to our listeners for my giggles because they're gonna hear that at the top of the show before the music plays. <laughs> so this will be the second time they've heard it now. <laughs> I'm the show starter, baby. 
No, but seriously, like, there's no other, like, there's no, uh, you know, to what Josh is saying, there's no other plot point. There's, <laughs> there's no oh, other yeah. plot point to, to him just, like, hitting on that woman. Like, you do, you expect it to be some sort of, um, you know, thing that he can hang over Ed Harris's head at the end of the show. But right, it's just right. like, no, no, he's just hitting on a woman because he enjoys the, the <laughs> sins of the flesh. Like, that's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> As much as he enjoys the apple pie at the beginning of the film. This, this has been Bible study with the nasty oak. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of stuff I like in this movie. I mentioned Fargo. I mentioned the Joker character. Uh, you see this, I think, handled much better uh, in The Dark Knight. Uh, spoiler, I guess not even a spoiler alert. Everyone on the planet seen The Dark Knight, I assume. But you know, the Joker's set up at the end, his big plan is he wants to put these two uh you know boats uh that are uh, evacuating gotham city and he reveals that uh there are bombs on each of them and you know he's giving them the option he's giving each boat like a detonator and they can save themselves by blowing up the other you know group of civilians uh you know possibly co-workers they don't know who's on there but their fellow man and you have those sort of I don't even know if to call them moral dilemmas, but the villain wanting to reveal that everyone's just as bad as them or just as susceptible yeah. to evil. I think well, the problem with justifiable. Yeah. Well, the problem with this movie is, uh, it's that boat scene for, you know, two hours. Um, and you, and you get it quickly. You get what the devil's up to. You're like, okay, yep. I see this. And there's no other subplots. There's no other sort of nuance to it. I would have liked to have seen somebody, like, you know, turning down and see how that played out, you know, like, I mean, you kind of get that with Ed Harris's character when he says, like, no, I don't need anything, but I would like to have seen somebody back. Uh, I don't think I'm willing to do that. <laughs> you know, that, that I'd like to problem. have that little statue, but, uh, it I, seems, I don't really want to, it seems like everyone comes under this weird spell where they're no longer themselves. And I didn't like that. I, Cause at that no, point I feel no. like they're not making a decision. It's something well, he's doing to them. Yeah. And I very much, did like that they were trying to say and they were trying to say it, but they didn't do a good job of showing that they each had a choice. It's not supposed to be that literally the devil made me do it. It's supposed to be that they chose, you know, to, to take up that offer. But like what you're saying, we, we, <laughs> we didn't see anybody make a different choice. So it just appears that like anybody that goes in there is just automatically like, well, I'm down. Well, it's, it, it, it's that. It's like, I'll, I'll agree to anything that you say as long as I get this free shit. Plus, like, the only thing that breaks the spell is Ed Harris is talking to you, mean. Like, there's no other, uh, like... That's, <laughs> that's not bad. I mean, there's a... Uh, I'm going to drop this in here because it's just one of my favorite uh, press conferences ever. Uh, they're on, at some film festival or some press tour for a history of violence. And I guess someone... <laughs> ask Ed Harris or maybe ask the group and he just said I've got this one Hello everybody and welcome to the press conference for a history of violence and I will immediately introduce the people who are here at this panel sitting next to me actor and director Mr. Ed Harris Ed hmm? you wanted to add anything? Not particularly <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know yeah, you I'd did like do one. That's I'd right. like to that. <laughs> no, because... What is that? What is that? You know? 
What is that? What is it? What is it? What is violence? What is it? You know, that's what the movie's about. Ladies and gentlemen, on this note, uh, thank you very much for being here. When I'm watching this movie, I'm like, was this scripted? Or did they just tell Ed Harris, like, go off on your coworkers? They've been getting on your nerves? <laughs> For the next five minutes, go nuts. <laughs> yeah. Say anything you want. I, uh, I think it's uh, – I thought it was an effective scene just because – Maybe to what both of you have said, I just want to see some pushback. I just want to see yeah. some pushback on the devil. Finally, I actually, you know, I would have, well, I would have uh, liked it a little bit more before that freak out where, you know, there's some sort of like putting the devil in this place. Or, you know, Jared, you know how much I like sassing, where someone just looks at the devil and says, "I'm gonna beat the shit out of you." <laughs> <laughs> Your nails like, are disgusting. <laughs> like you know. He, there has to be that you know sass moment where he's like yelling at people like what the fuck are you doing but the same sense it's like you've got one mortal sheriff of a small town it's like I'm going to counteract everything the devil's done for the last three or four weeks by sitting here and telling you what a shithead you are I mean uh, to be fair I guess and I guess it may be taking away a little bit from Ed Harris uh, if they bothered to listen for a second and just looked <laughs> <laughs> the insanity of like a church on fire, uh, right. a priest and a preacher getting ready like to kill each other, like with an axe, like, uh, and everyone else in the streets, cars, like Rick. I mean, if they stop for a well, moment, they may say, uh, maybe this has gone on a bit too far. Maybe, maybe well, this either, was a bit much. Either you are completely under the devil's control <laughs> or you are amenable to Ed Harris sass talking you. But I feel like they've like traversed this in between where it's like, I'm going to cut the Baptist's head off. Hey, asshole. Like, oh, okay, all right. I felt Maybe like, I okay, I'm, I mean, this is going to be the episode where I just say, here are all these other movies that did it better. Um, 20, <laughs> 28 Days Later came to mind where it's like they, they use they use something – that couldn't be broken. The spell there was this like zombie like disease, which was rage and people like that would give into it where they just start attacking their fellow man. You did have a scene where the uh, Josh, I'm sure you remember it. Cause I, I know we were both big fans of it where the, this father character realizes he's become infected and he's trying to mm -hmm. hold, trying to fight it off. Um, or you have a character that we think is infected, but he's not, but he's just, he's just he's down with the crazy and that's sort of <laughs> i uh i felt like they they also did it better i don't know maybe it's just that supernatural like stuff just doesn't work for me because there's no hard and fast rules to it like jared you can kind of pick through all the plot holes because you just don't know mm -hmm. what's effective well, what's not i would also urge you to remember though i mean like we have like real <laughs> real life riots and so i mean people give in to like mob mentality and everything under the right at Sober Cinema on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, all, all I mean People that, are animals. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying under, you know. <laughs> and they deserve, the right they deserve the turkey shit that we're flinging at them every week on this show. <laughs> I toss apples in your windows, animal. <laughs> they, all, all I mean by that. Not is fight that... up the stairs. <laughs> Dude, why do you turn into like a Dickens character in this, <laughs> in this <laughs> rampage mode? He keeps going back to his Alan Alda voice. A cleaver for you. 
<laughs> the devil told me to. <laughs> Stupidity. <laughs> I've got nothing else. Josh, if you want to try to make one last point, go ahead. <laughs> I had several points I was going to make, but I think it's beyond trying to do at this point. Now you have a case against me with the devil. <laughs> Josh, what would it take? What could be offered to you for the devil to get you to do something bad to Jared? What, what? For free! For free, he says! <laughs> it makes uh, me think would... of... Uh, there was a sketch. Do you remember... The like the uh, the box, Josh, the Richard Kelly yeah. movie. So uh-huh. based on the uh, Richard Matheson, I believe, short story, Button Button. Simple right. premise like this, where uh, people are offered like a million dollars or a great deal of money uh, if they push this button, but if they do, someone will die somewhere on the planet. Someone uh, they don't know, and so it's they like, don't. are you willing to kill? I guess it's even. Uh, better than this deal because they don't have to get their hands dirty they're not attacking their neighbor or family or friend they've known for years <laughs> but there was a i think it was like an snl sketch when that movie came out where the mysterious man comes in and is like <laughs> if you push this button someone will die and the person it's across them immediately hits the button and doesn't even get to the million dollar offer <laughs> <laughs> The guy's like, he's like, wait. He's like, you just did that. I didn't even tell you what you were going to get. Doesn't matter. I feel like that is Josh with Jared. If the devil comes and says, will you prank Jared Dotson? And Josh just immediately goes out to his car because he's got a trunk full of, like, I don't know, it's clown like puppets. Manila, Manila folders full of photos that he's taken of me, like, 20 years ago. So it doesn't really matter. Like, the devil's impressed with Josh. <laughs> Such deviancy. Oh, how would you like a position in my cabinet? Yeah. Can't afford me, Jerry. Devil ain't got shit on me, he says. Um, I think they'll do Another it. Another good episode, yeah. <laughs> Can we ask you one question on the youth vote? Do you intend to have anyone under 30 address uh, address the convention to talk to, for, the, for the youth vote, Youth of America? We are going to have some young people in their 20s address the, address the convention. I know that there will be some. Okay, I'm available next week if you need any extra help. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Hey, have a good vacation. I promise a chicken every pot. I promise him... Science and progress will lead to all man's happiness. I promise if I get caught telling the truth, I will lie my way out of it. <laughs> For me, I call it, you know, like the good boy and the goat boy. You know, those those parts of me that uh, that are only out for my own instant gratification. Delayed gratification is not something that I was raised with a, a concept of. It's important for me to stress that it's not a frog, that it is a goat, and it's just, I, I haven't honed it yet. If you repress the goat, then he'll nail you. Honey bourbon in my tea. <laughs> and I 
<laughs> I think it's working on me a little bit quicker. Than usual. It's a little bit lower, huh? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. All right, gentlemen. Uh, oh. This is a Josh Dotson pick here. The last part. <laughs> yeah. He wants yeah, to talk right. <laughs> politics and he wants to know what uh, his favorite actors think about <laughs> <laughs> said politics. Mark, um, I feel like you're baiting me a little bit there. Well, I'm trying. You know, sometimes you just got to. This is a show where I have to poke the bear. Like, you know, I'm like, all right, yeah. we got to liven this up a little bit. So, uh, one of you hate something, please, and have the floor <laughs> for 10 minutes. <laughs> Uh, I will. I'll say this though. I I did. Uh, I had not seen this. So when I was presenting it to you, all, I was like, mm, I don't know if this will be a good watch. Uh, I was like, this may just be fodder for us to talk about other things uh, because there's not like a real through line here of coherent thought. I don't think as I'm I as I'm watching this, or, or, or admittedly halfway watching this, <laughs> and then like turning to my iPad because I watched this for free on YouTube and like what. What is he doing now? Robert Downey Jr. is in his uh, underwear in a park somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And now he's talking to Bill Clinton. And uh, I did attempt to make connections on things, but then I realized uh, that I don't think uh, Downey Jr. had much interest in it. So I, I gave up. Eh, I think that was probably the, the right instinct. Um, I don't think... I'm really kind of surprised how this movie was made. I, I don't know if Robert Downey Jr. himself was the push behind it or if the directors uh, wanted to make this movie and offered it to him. I, I don't know enough of the, the background behind it. It's weird that they but, set him up as uh, you. Uh, you represent young people now. And yeah. <laughs> maybe it's because uh, we were kids when this came out, and uh, mm -hmm. I had never heard of this until just sort of looking this movie dates up for the podcast, two movies that came out on August 27th, 1993. Um, but he keeps saying it over and over, and I'm guessing that's what they were going for. They were getting uh, a recognizable young actor to speak for what young people care about, but then they devolve, I guess, uh, into these very confessional things, these feelings he has about his father and how he grew up. And I'm like, I don't think this guy should be speaking for the broad populace <laughs> of young people. Cause uh, your experience is fairly unique uh, growing up with a celebrity director, a filmmaker in California and like smoking weed with your dad at 11. Um, and I guess actually the darker part of it was knowing the uh, drug problems he was going to go through uh, throughout yeah. the nineties after this. I was like, yeah, this is, this isn't fun. This isn't like a uh, father son bonding. This just looks like bad parenting. And, uh, Eventually, he came out and made his nut with Iron Man, but I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I don't really know what they were going for uh, with this one, Josh, and I think the film doesn't really know either. It kind of feels like they were just winging it. I mean, I, there was definitely, I think, an agenda, not, a type of political agenda. I'm, I'm sure they had their, their personal beliefs, but I, I will say that it, it's pretty open to exploring – the thoughts on both sides of the political spectrum and, and, and some, some of that stuff. But it also, like you mentioned, it, it dives into his personal life and just him kind of going on some of these just personal self retrospective <laughs> rants and everything. It, there, there's like a two minute sequence where he talks about how he's afraid of vaginas. 
And that, that was one of the moments where I had to, I looked up from uh, checking my fantasy football wait scores minute, on my phone, and I look at the iPad, and I'm like, wait, okay. And I actually am giving the film more credit because I did the little you know double tap to rewind on YouTube. I'm like, okay, I missed how we got to the no. Nope, he's just he's just talking, and probably the cameraman is wondering the same thing I am now, twenty five years later. <laughs> what, sir? And then, <laughs> I I don't know. Uh, I think it then cuts him at a uh, feminist rally, and he just looks scared. <laughs> <laughs> There's Iron Man's weakness right there. Yeah, there's some Vagina. foreshadowing there. <laughs> oh my! All right, Josh, you got. <laughs> I'm trying to poke you into outrage, and <laughs> I'm just letting it a breathe little a little bit before I really. Lay it. I figured Jared might want to contribute a little bit as to what he thought about it. Yeah, Jared, you got to represent. This is a what crossfire here, so you have to be the left, the angry left, and then Josh will be the cantankerous right. Uh you've kind of uh, put me in a corner here, trying to defend this thing. <laughs> I'm not saying because I'm not going to be able to. Well, okay, so Josh pointed out that they uh, they mainly try to, I guess, poke fun of both sides, even though I think the only politicians they really talk to are Democrats because they go to the, the DNC, com, you know, the convention in 92, and you see Clinton there, there. Yeah, there's certainly enough going on that you can tell that that's where their bias leans. But I, w- I will say I don't feel like it was a overly preachy film. I mean, there were a couple moments where it kind of leaked through, but. There's a complaint, I, I an odd complaint about George uh, Bush not talking about anal sex enough, which also yet again caught my attention. Did you all? What? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just, yeah, uh, I'm actually uh, throwing stuff out right now to see if you all actually watched it because <laughs> I'm looking that, about halfway like you did. Yeah. Well, I'd look I'm up looking from my phone for, every now and then and be like, huh? I'm looking what? for a response from either one of you, like, no way, stop making stuff up, and then I'll have the clip ready to go. No, I remember. Those are the highlights. I I think the conversation was revolving around AIDS, which that's really okay. So since nobody else is going to really dive in, I guess I will. That was my pro AIDS, huh? All right, got it. (laughs) Here we go. Yeah, something to work with. Yeah. Uh, No, it's just the fact that like you had people that were making an argument, and the argument itself was nothing outlandish. Whether it be like, okay, we need to do something about the AIDS epidemic, or um, you know, pro or anti-abortion, whatever. But the arguments they were making were pretty ridiculous arguments, such as the one you just mentioned of like uh, talking about uh, the the AIDS epidemic. You know, this was the early nineties and stuff. And this this young lady's go to was, uh, yeah, when's the last time you heard George Bush talk about anal sex? And so, it's like I don't know you that got that me needs there. to be part of the solution. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> Is that what you need out of a politician? <laughs> yeah. uh, so there was a lot of that on both sides. I mean, there was just a lot of just really kind of, and I don't know if that was the time. I don't know if we as a nation have like complicated the the subject matters enough to where those, <laughs> those arguments were that seem that simplistic and stupid to us now uh, from that time. But Nobody was really making compelling arguments for anything, e- even if the argument was a, a just one. It just everybody just seemed to be talking in great ex- extremisms. Okay, well, on on that point, that this was a thought I had just for uh, this episode. The, the premise of this podcast, sort of viewing it through the lens of uh, uh, a certain amount of time that's passed, and so it's been. Uh, 25 years and i think uh, most people would uh would say like right now like this is the most divided we've ever been 
Uh, and Josh, I know you and I, uh, I think we had a conversation just last week hanging out about, um, you know, how heated the, uh, the younger Bush days were as far as people thinking mm -hmm. like, it will not get worse than this. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then you, you wake up and, you know, you're living in, you know, Trump's America and you're like, okay, it won't get worse than this. And it was, I don't know if it was reassuring or depressing to <laughs> go back and watch something that's looking at Clinton and Bush senior there going head to head, you know, that's going to be the nominees and people talking about that. This is the worst it's ever been. And they live in a time where they can't mm -hmm. trust their own. This is the first generation that can't trust their own government. And I'm thinking, what? Well, eh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe ask. Do you not uh, remember the Vietnam war? Like uh, the... We'll go back further. <laughs> let's, let's ask, uh, you know, a black family, how they felt about decades prior. <laughs> yeah. and sure. There. Uh, so I don't know if it's a, good maybe not as intended sort of comedy of errors looking about how the youth generation is never satisfied and that's really the role of a young person is to have that outlook because I, yeah, i'm just guessing and, it never changes really yeah and i think that's where they're selling this is that it seems like the filmmakers themselves do not realize that like that's a a, a silly presumption because every generation i think probably thinks that like oh this is the worst it's ever been and, and you, you know, know what it's... rightfully so because they're only going on their life experience up to that point really yeah yeah but i think we've kind of got to a point where people kind of realize that that's that's the belief and that's the feeling but <laughs> they bought into it with this movie hook line and sinker like uh, this is we're on the cusp of like failure <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> First of all, as a child, which I understand as children, we were probably sheltered quite a bit, but I do not remember it feeling that way. Even I even remember remembering the '90s being pretty cool, pretty good, pretty uh, uh, I don't know, laid back. <clears throat> I guess uh, our president was, <laughs> you know, maybe he was talking about anal sex in the Oval Office, and we just weren't privy to it. <laughs> Well, were, I think there were a lot of sexual discussions. Those I'm sure once Clinton was in there, there was a lot of those conversations. I'm sure, I'm sure he threw it out there a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> Raised an eyebrow. It was, it was in play otherwise. <laughs> you know, just a little, a little experiment maybe. Just a little, let's get a consensus here if uh, that's uh, going to be doable here. Um I, I don't know. Like I strangely, and I mean, I won't uh, put us through this. Uh, when I was looking this up, just to find sort of any sort of research about it, and God help Jared on any sort of numbers that we've got oh. for this one. Um, there are two sequels to this, and the first one is Philip Seymour Hoffman stepping into the Robert Downey Jr. role, and I think it's I believe it's the two thousand uh, presidential election. I believe. Hmm. Um, I think I would like that better. I don't know if it's just because I prefer him as an actor personality. I think it would be less ridiculous for Philip Seymour Hoffman, whatever age he was at uh, well, 2000, than Robert Downey Jr. coming off the 80s. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely imagine Hoffman being way more grounded. And, I mean, I could be wrong, but uh, I, I don't feel like it's going to be quite as out there as far as some of the rantings and um, just the public displays of craziness that of I don't know what he's doing. Like why is, why is he in a park in his underwear? And I yeah. felt like, uh, the people that come to look at him were thinking the same thing. Like, uh, and then they, they switched to him in a, uh, when he's even at the convention, he is like basically making a joke saying he's hungry and he's just looking for a sandwich. It's like a bad daily show sketch 
before the mm-hmm. Daily Show, uh, so it's hard to take him seriously. Jared, what uh, what do the critics think of this, and what were the uh, what were the box office returns for this film? Uh, no critics actually reviewed this uh, movie. Uh, there's nothing on record right here on Tomato <laughs> on <this> Meteor. <laughs> we're the first. Shockingly, shockingly enough, two out of three people that's uh, watched the movie liked it, though. Sixty-seven percent audience. Uh, mm, we're about to change uh, that. approval. Go we're about to really it. put the statement on democracy. We're <laughs> yeah. going. We're going. Our submittal is going to be the sole factor of how this movie I is think, seen. Uh, by the we're public. going to have three negatives here on this one. It grossed eleven thousand one hundred and fifty-six nineteen ninety-three dollars, and it opened in one theater total. Well, that would explain a lot. Uh, that's good. That's <laughs> probably necessary. Um, I don't know if this probably, I'm assuming this would have had to have aired on TV or something uh, later. Like now you would say, okay, this is something that would just go on a streaming service or they just release it video on demand. Uh, I don't know what the aims were with this one. Uh, Jared, did this, did I fail again? Um, I was really hoping to make you angry this week and I feel like this one just, uh, you you slept through it, didn't you? (laughs) Of course, that's what I do every day. But uh, he says, well, "This is not a video podcast." But he says, "From a, a darkened room where I think we can see <laughs> one eye, maybe." If he, <laughs> yep, yeah, not much going on there. No, you know, it's that's what you get whenever you have a uh, silver spoon, uh, middle of his twenties liberal going out there. And I, I felt like more of a Republican as I watched this movie. It's just like. Uh, just he, he sounds very ignorant and very um, he, he's coming from a good place, but just did you like the scene where he's trying to research how our government works? Like the basic <laughs> he's like, facts, he's like <laughs> laying there on the couch, like uh, Amendment 26. What's that? Amendment 26 <laughs> that lowered the voting age, Robert. Oh, okay. <laughs> And then he does a bit for two minutes, like he's jumping like a goat. He's got his goat character. He's got his. I'm looking for a Santa. That was absurd. His... The, the, the the segment of just watching him bounce around in the park on all four. I I don't really know why we went down that road. We're not joking here either. If anybody's yeah, listening, I had that thought so that people are gonna think like we're just uh, talking nonsense. Uh, no, everything that we're referencing here actually exists. There there's footage. I would say don't watch it. But skip around on YouTube if you'd like to find it, I guess, like we did. Um, He made one point, and I guess because we did Chaplin for this podcast, that I thought, like, okay, that's your your in as an actor, where he says that he had a great respect when he uh, got the part for Charlie Chaplin, like, you know, researching him about how politically uh, minded he was, but he he distilled his thoughts in a package of entertainment and comedy. These movies, that's something we talked about when we – discuss that film and i was like okay so that's that's how he's gonna approach this he's like i'm not you know very politically savvy uh but i i have some you know ideals i'd like to get across in my uh my work but like after he says that it (laughs) it goes nowhere like (laughs) i don't know what this goat character is that he's talking about or why he's in his underwear or why he's interviewing um I don't know what group they are, but basically just some very angry black man shirtless with his like with a name tag like taped to his chest. <laughs> and they don't explain any of this. Maybe the most avant-garde movie I've watched in a while. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. you know, I'll 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 give him a little bit of credit with the, the what he I, I feel like he was going down a little bit of a, a road of self-discovery and that's a little bit interesting like seeing somebody who maybe <laughs> 
I, well, I think it's obvious wow. that probably up to this point he I'm never really failed. <laughs> if Josh Josh is giving this nonsense the benefit of the doubt and doing a slight parenting like it's like mm. Robert Downey Jr. really did a terrible crayon drawing of like how the American <laughs> government works. You and tried, Josh, Josh is patting him on the head. <laughs> We're going to put the last party on the refrigerator. Well, It'll be okay. Don't, well, don't don't misconstrue what I'm saying. The movie. I, in every way that you would judge a, a documentary, regardless of what you think about the subject matter, this is a terrible movie. I mean, it is just put together absolutely awful. I mean, like you said, there's no coherence. It's just random. Like one sink to the it. next. You don't, you don't the goat. say what? It's the goat did the editing. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, you're not wrong. That's absolutely what it seems like. I, I'm just giving him a little bit of credit for the fact of like, it is interesting to see somebody kind of trying to be responsible as state in their life when they probably haven't been and taking an interest. So, you know, I do give him that credit along the lines of you were speaking of, but it does take us into an interesting part of the conversation you hinted at at the beginning of the episode was with that, with that perspective that he had about like Charles Chaplin about like, you know, if, if you're going to make a movie, if you're going to make entertainment, make it worth something, you know, because you're, you're pouring yourself into it. it is like this sense of like, I feel like celebrities feel like a sense of self-importance that like their opinions matter a little bit more than everybody else's. And I think that's where you get maybe, especially from the conservative side of things, because, you know, most most of Hollywood does fall liberal. Which, to be fair, they, it, they kind of do. Not that they mean more, just they have a bigger microphone to. Right. Well, to that's, speak what to. I was, that's yeah. what I'm getting at is that they do they 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 have a, a larger audience, obviously, mm -hmm. but their personal opinion is no more important than anybody else's. And I think that's where I don't think all of them think that. I think some of them do think that. I think some of them think they know a whole lot when it's like, no, you just have an opinion, and <laughs> you know, I mean, you're entitled to it. And that's that's where the balance is because I, th I think some people get mad at Hollywood for even having an opinion. And that's not, that's not cool either because they're humans or they're Americans. They, they, they are entitled to have that. But I guess what's troubling is that we are in a very, um, sheepish culture that the goat, the goat, <laughs> well, not the goat <laughs> sheepish in, in the terms of, you definitely have crowds of people who, um, they care about what Kim Kardashian says. They care about like what she promotes, you know, because well, she's popular and she's pretty, so what she says is important. And uh, that's troubling to think that that's all it takes to spread an idea. Is it, <laughs> it doesn't require intelligence. It doesn't require insight. It just requires the popularity. And I think that's where you get a lot of bite back on that. And <sighs> this movie doesn't really go into that a whole lot, but you can't help but think about it as you're watching because you're left wondering, okay, why does, why are we watching Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> spout all this stuff? Well, there's, there's one moment where it touches on it and then it goes on to some other nonsense where, as I mentioned, this, uh, angered group of, uh, black men, uh, are yelling at him yeah. and they, they do say, you know, you come from a, to Robert Downey Jr. You come from a life of pri privilege and, there are people who will listen to you because of who you are. But touching on what you're saying as far as the celebrity factor that I mean that's only he's making a movie about something he knows less than nothing about here where he's researching <laughs> how our country works and yet for some reason his title's above the name of this documentary and he's the host of it. And Danny Jr. he just looks uncomfortable. 
he just looks like he doesn't really want to, to engage with them. And uh, and it's because he's not really is. Go ahead, Jared. I was, he's not really a skilled <laughs> interviewer either. That's not. No, he doesn't really guide the discussion no. to interesting points, and he doesn't have any counterpoint. And I think you can be that guy if you want to say I'm a blank slate and I just want to like investigate this, and we'll see like which side I come down on or you know how I feel about things as that blank slate. That's fine, but I think it maybe that's where all the goofy sort of tangents come into <laughs> that they realize is like this guy didn't really learn a whole lot. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> take it in. So let's just throw in some uh, amusing uh, little sort of tirades. And um, that's, that's that. Well, one of the things that tickled me the most was like, you can tell how badly he is an interviewer and why in the world they didn't cut this on the editing room floor. There's a particular scene when he's in the DNC and this guy is at this big, tremendous amount of machinery and electronics and he goes up like so a lot of a lot of uh, equipment here huh and the guys <laughs> there's nothing more to the question the guys like yep <laughs> and robert doesn't know what to do with this. A, a lot of uh, technical expertise here yep <laughs> that's him trying to trying to get down with the common man jared trying to feel what, what they you doing feel. here buddy <laughs> And then uh, I don't think it, that's too far from him, like prancing at the top of like the stage, like doing his chaplain routine. <laughs> like th- this could have been a really great, I guess, real mockumentary if the if the mm-hmm. the crew was in on it. If they just got this idiot actor to come get naked and talk about drugs and like uh, hugging his dad and how dumb he is when it comes to politics, and every time he tried to like ask like quote unquote, I guess a real American, like what they thought. And then he gets an answer and just cuts to him, just like dancing around doing his chaplain stuff. Like This is boring. Th- I'd I mean, rather dance. It's not far off from the stuff that you would get in like Spinal Tap where you would cut to the person dealing with these morons, their face. And like, oh my God, this person's famous and he's going to make more money than I ever will. This idiot that I'm looking at, the goat, well, the yeah. goat man. It's it's really just a couple choices away from being a, a jackass skit of like trolling, you know, one of these yeah. <laughs> conventions, you know, like, oh yeah, no, we're we're, we're here to ask questions. Um, what well, what are your thoughts on goats? You know, like, <laughs> uh, all right, I think that'll do it for the last party. So, God help us. Um, this came out on the same day as Needful Things, and uh, <laughs> I don't know which one is a better, more accurate. Uh, look at uh, the common man and his wants and desires, I guess. Uh, certainly Ed Helms. Uh, not Ed Helms. Ed Harris. Uh, screaming in the street. Ed Harris is going <laughs> to somehow, he doesn't, he would never listen to a podcast. He's too much of a man for that, but he's going to get like a force sort of feeling that someone's compared him to Ed Helms from the <laughs> office. He's going to come kill you in your sleep. <laughs> that vein's going to be bulging <laughs> in his forehead. Just angry. Yeah. It, I guess that was a cruel thing to do <laughs> Jared I know you hated both so it's uh, a yeah, Sophie's choice be I guess here winner. yeah in reverse in a way uh, I'd rather I'd rather needful things win than this piece yeah. of garbage I, I you know bullcrap if you say otherwise no I, I hated needful things but I hated the last party even more that everything about the last party was summed up like 
the Dave Mustaine uh, from Megadeth scene. I don't know if you remember that, where he's going all yeah. about, we need to make more microwaves and less missiles, man. That's what we need to do is like, that's... Uh, oh, his go-to, uh, that was another example of a terrible, you know, argument. He was like, ask people how many... Ask how many people own a missile, and ask how many own a VCR. <laughs> that tells you we're building the wrong things. It's like, I don't think it works like that. <laughs> There's a much more nuanced way of handling that, Mr. Megadeth. If you'd like to say that defense spending is a little too high. No, brother. <laughs> I mean, it's fine if he feels like we shouldn't be spending that, many mon- that much money on missiles, but... It's just such a stupid thing to say. <laughs> yeah, the, the devil and the needful thing certainly had a... Well, I mean, he knew what people wanted, right? I mean, yeah. if it was a, a leather jacket or, um, you know, a baseball card. People were satisfied with... <laughs> they don't need missiles. <laughs> All you need is, uh, you know, turkey shit <laughs> for your weapon of choice. <laughs> Apparently they can rip a whole town apart. Oh. So um, I'm guessing we're saying that, and I, you would probably have to come down on this side. I, I would like to hear the argument. The last party is more necessary viewing than needful things. I'm not saying either one of them is. Um, I am, but you know, I think <laughs> I think the case can be made that if you really want to like look into it, needful things is trashy. Like it knows it's trash. Like it's not trying to be Shawshank Redemption. But it still somehow, I think, applies more politically than this film does today. <laughs> like, if you just want to get Absolutely. a read on people, yeah. uh, it still yeah. sends the message home better. And uh, it does it with a, a devil who just wants to get down with one particular diner waitress. That's his... <laughs> <laughs> he has very simple, simple man goals as well, apparently. I devil. mean, I understand him. I don't understand Robert Downey Jr. as the GOAT. So hmm. <laughs> it is interesting that Robert Downey Jr. is more complex than the devil. I never Same. thought about it like that. Robert Downey Jr. coming at you in an alley as the goat is probably somewhat scarier than the devil. Uh, all things said, uh, this is a victory for Robert Downey Jr. He has come a long way. He's in a much better place. Man. I, was than like, what I, need, this... I need to throw an Iron Man just to see. This is like a totally different person. Like This guy cares about money now. <laughs> it's like <Yeah. laughs> He cares about it a lot. <laughs> his craft and it like you know getting across a message politically i think that's gone with <laughs> avengers infinity war i don't I, I don't know a marvel zombie will correct me on the deep nuances of what that <laughs> actually means uh and what thanos represents but i think he's just a big dumb purple alien that needs to be smacked <laughs> around i think that's the only message there uh yeah. yeah we don't have one either um but we do have on our next episode a better stephen king uh film with it will follow this episode um so at the very least i don't know if this is a good promo i was gonna say at the very least we're happier but i don't think people who listen to the show like that so uh we apologize we enjoyed ourselves for at least one movie on the next episode so, so sorry that we're happy guys uh at sober cinema <laughs> <laughs> i like that dude i think you should try pouty more <laughs> like <laughs> old segment where you just pout that'd be good <laughs> Rhonda, your golden girly girl on USA, up all night. And it's time for another edition of Who's in Rhonda's Bed. Oh, can't wait to see. It's so exciting, you never know. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe my eyes. It's Max von Sydow. 
What are you doing in Rhonda's bed? Where am I? Just well, in your bed? Yes, you are. You know where you are. You're in Rhonda's bed. It's a very special bed. Very nice to meet you. A pleasure to meet you. <gasps> uh, what am I doing here? Well, I think that you came here to talk about your film. Oh, yes, yes.